0: One of the things that I've learned is how easy it is to to leverage everything. Um, One of the things I learned in my Catalyst class was how to to, uh, build your team, not only on the finance side but everywhere else, but for the finance side. Uh, HELOC loans, uh, learning the different ways you have available money to you, um, learning how to work with commercial lenders, uh, on a commercial property, and not that traditional, you know, you got to wait 45 days to get financed, they're looking at you only, rather than the deal. So the commercial properties with the deals, the ARV loans, your um, uh, uh, hard money lending, those things just make everything so easy, but you got to know about
1: them. you got to know how to use them. Welcome to Real Radio, episode 53, with Jim Enderbrock.
2: Shh. <laughs> <laughs> slapping like an evil
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're listening to Rio Radio The nationally trusted name in real estate investing We dig deep to discover investors' why in real estate If you want to skip all the BS and get investors' heads You're in the right spot Be one of the thousands to check out RiaRadio.com. Owen, oh, from the point that this episode comes out, in like five days I think it is, or maybe a few more, you will be live in front of the Omaha Ria group doing your presentation. I'm pumped, man. It's right in my wheelhouse. I mean, it only took you two weeks to respond,
2: but... Yeah, I, I, I'm methodical with my uh, choices <laughs> that I have. I have so many...
1: There, All the talk shows I get invited to. I mean, you know how it is. I think it's going a good turnout because the people have been literally been reaching out really? to me about them being excited about it. Huh. Well, that's cool. You, even people that are already investing are going to be there.
2: So the Omaha RIA uh, get-together is once a month, and the next one is September 6th. Yes. So when you listen to this, it'll probably be like a week-ish beforehand. Uh, so always on Tuesdays. The next one's going to be at Holiday Inn, downtown Omaha, right by the ballpark. Um, and it's going to be investing 101. So we're just going to like... Jam about like how you get started, different strategies, tactics, you know, from wholesaling to flipping, why you you choose one over the other, short-term rentals, long-term rentals. Yeah, we're going to talk about LLCs and insurance and all that fun stuff. And hopefully, I'm hoping there's going to be a boatload of questions. There, will that, be. that I can uh, just
1: kind of like rattle off, and it, it hopefully they'll be able to fit him in in between your presentation.
2: Yeah, you know how I love bullet points,
1: man. I'm just gonna barrage <laughs> you with bullet points. We uh, talked about this a few months ago in a different episode, but Owen was a presenter down at the Lincoln Ria, and, uh, and then he they pretty much had to boot him off the stage because his presentation was going so long, true, and that he could he's like, okay, fast forward, fast forward, but really, you know, we were giving him uh, a hard time when we were listening to that podcast because we we're like, hey, man. Like you are, like you're above and beyond this. You you need to go. You need to move on. You need to talk about what you're doing and your high levelness. But then I reflected back that night and actually regretted everything I said. And I actually, I think I did an online apology right here, you know, on our podcast, and because I was completely wrong. Because uh, yes, I mean, you're you're high end and you're doing all these great things. But uh, for, I mean, you just have this natural ability to work with people that are trying to get started, get going. That's why you do your 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 meetings with people. That's why you do your weekly meetings with rookies, right? I've been thinking about this, and you know, I I think, and and
2: we've talked about this before, but I think you have you have a point to that, which is you you said maybe talk more, you know, like more sophisticated strategies, or more like about partnerships or stuff that you're doing. I just noticed dentists is wearing his uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> I bought those underwear for you, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Super
2: weird. And anyway, um, so there there is a segment of the real estate investing audience that really is interested in what are you doing about multifamily syndications? What are you doing about raising money and like kind of the more higher level things that you eventually gravitate toward when you've been in the business for a while? But that's a very, very small percentage of the of the general audience, maybe like five percent, maybe not even that, that I could actually teach something to that is maybe either operating at a, a slightly lower level than I am as far as the you know type of things I'm doing. But I think I I really like getting people started and i like seeing the motivation and the and get, get having people gain traction and whatever so i am really excited about this this is going to be i am going to put my heart and soul into this thing you, you've had so, plenty
1: of time to prep for it uh, yeah
2: i'm <laughs> but you know i'm kind of a desperation provides inspiration kind of a guy so it'll probably be like you know a couple days beforehand i'll be throwing a slide deck together
1: well and, and it kind of correlates into today's podcast too because we have jim menderbrock on Uh, Jim, just full disclosure, Jim is a a real estate agent. He's on my investment team that I have. Uh, and Jim, so we have a list of people that, you know, that we keep, we have about a list of about 20 people and they're like our go-tos, maybe 20, probably about 10, and they're like our go-tos if, if somebody, uh, cancels backouts or Ted makes a mistake on the, on, on the calendar, (laughs) which would happen today. Well, it's kind of like that short list of people that you have. Or if you get thrown
2: in jail after a night in Mexico, you just you know they're going to show up and bail you out.
1: <laughs> and J- J- like,
2: and J- J- that's would do that's that. Jim. That is Jim. But so we love Jim Enderbrock. Thank you for uh, <laughs> hooking us up today with some good content. We appreciate your story, all that, all that. But
1: the nice thing about this story is um, he's unique in the fact that he's unique in a lot of ways. Uh, he's just a unique individual. But the but specifically on his investing. Uh, he's gotten four properties in four months, and he's—I think—what uh, do you say, two more under contract currently, right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's just—he's just, he's just gun ho.
2: Okay, and we talked about this in the episode, and you'll—you'll you'll see that when it comes uh, to the point. But he's done some strategies of investing that most people don't consider when they first start out. Like he's done—he did partnerships on his second, third, and I think fourth deals. And potentially even, you know, number five and sixty hours under contract, but he's done short-term rentals flips, uh, sounds like mid and long-term rentals are a part of the plan as well. And he's, uh, like, I mean, just, he's done some things that people don't do until they've had a whole bunch of deals under their belt, which I think is really cool. And this is going to be inspiring for people too, because like we talked about in the episode, you know, Colonel Sanders didn't start KFC until he was 62 years old, Jim's 62 And he started in real estate investing after 38 years in the car business. I mean, that's amazing. Most people are like, well, I guess that was fun. I'm done. And then, you know, they try and write out their retirement. He's just a baller now. Like he is capitalizing on the fact that he seems to be have a knack for developing relationships with people and is a natural networker and puts himself out there, which is something
1: that a lot of people could do, but don't. They just they just opt for the
2: easy button, which is watching
1: Netflix or whatever. Well, and if you and when you guys see some pictures of Jim, if you guys get on any of our social medias, jump, follow us on Ria Radio on our Instagram, and we always post pictures of these uh, of these wonderful events that we do. And uh, one funny story is I was a networking event not too long ago with Jim, and uh, we had some women approach us, and they they thought uh, they they approached Jim to be their sugar daddy. (laughs) <laughs> and i was like i was like it, it's because he's got the age and the look going for him <laughs> that's awesome but no Jim's a good guy and, and i really appreciate him doing it so big shout out to you uh and thank you for everything you've done get in today though let's let's get into some of our stuff one question i haven't i realized today when i was kind of rewriting our scripts up a little bit today and you give me a hard time uh one thing i noticed is i haven't asked you who you met with like, have you had a good meeting the last couple weeks with with a rookie? Oh, geez. I mean, when's the um, last time I asked you that question? Yeah, it's been a little bit.
2: Maybe it's because we took a uh, July off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did take a little hiatus there. <laughs> Much needed. Um, but let's see. I think the most recent one I had was with uh, a couple guys, guys, uh, Shane Baker and Brady Fisher. And I've known Brady for, geez, probably, I don't know, 20, 25 years. Great dude. Worked in the um, in the Air Force and as a logistics officer for like a number of years. Like, a, seems like every one of every other podcast guest we have on is in that uh, military capacity. But Brady's great dude, and he just recently caught the bug, man. Like, he's all in on real estate investing. He's bought stuff at auction, uh, single family houses. He's done rehabs. Uh, he wants. He's really interested in getting into uh, long term holds now. And then Shane Baker. I don't know. I don't remember how I they met
1: exactly, but I've never heard these names.
2: Yeah, Shane, Shane and Brady are uh, like uh, looking at part, or they are partnering on a deal or some deals together. And Shane's a great dude too. Like I didn't know him uh, before either, so I met down, da- I met with both of them. Uh, we had lunch, talked about a whole bunch of different stuff. They're looking at doing short term rentals in Phoenix or in the in the Scottsdale area and flips and rentals and commercial and residential. I mean, we just had a fantastic meeting, so it was really fun. Um, and so I met with them. Yeah, I think last week. And then you know I've been traveling a little bit too, but I, yeah, geez, I've had I don't know a bunch of meetings. I just I'm trying to remember who all of them were. What about you? You gotten together with anybody fun and exciting? Uh,
1: the only meeting I, I had this week that was outside of my norm was uh, meeting with Landon, uh, which is helping Colin Schwartz and Chris Pommelu get their podcast off the ground. And yeah, he, Landon Rhodes yeah, out Rhodes. of Lincoln. Yep, and he uh, he's, out, he's out of Omaha now. We actually live right by. Oh, he, each other. oh, we, no We live kidding. right by each other.
2: So, and Landon has a uh, podcast and uh, and a Facebook group called Iron Sharpens Iron. Which is kind of catchy, which I know he's good at. Uh, so he's a he's a marketing uh, guru and is a podcast like basically consultant. So he helps people get a, a podcast up and running. And
1: uh, yeah, he's he's a, he's a good dude as well. So yeah, we went out had cigars and drinks, which is my thing, and uh, got some just you know basic advice on on marketing tips. Uh, obviously, we're trying to reach a more of a national audience with this. and so got some good tips, and hopefully, you start seeing some of those. Those tips come to fruition here soon. So that's what we're working on here. Uh also uh besides this, you know, we're all making plans to go to BP Con. hmm And uh and Sarah Weaver, which is uh one of our uh key one of the people we had on our podcast previously, is gonna be a keynote speaker at this, and wow. I believe that she's releasing her first published book with b- Bigger Pockets. Oh no, kidding! That's cool. And I think they're gonna, yeah. I think they're gonna pre sell it at that event. Is is the rumor heard? Not that's not verified, but
2: awesome. Well, hopefully she won't snub us when we go there. Like, or we're, we're not. She's, she's not re- too good for now. She's reached no. out to
1: me and she's su- is super excited to meet up with us. Well, I'm Uncle so.
2: Owen in her phone apparently. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> you guys will have to listen to that. That, that was pretty we, funny.
1: We, yeah, we'll put we'll link that. Can we link that episode in the show notes? We should have room for that. Yeah. Okay. Good.
0: So <laughs> last time I was supposed to link a hundred episodes <laughs> in the show notes. Yeah. And I, ran o- I ran out of wood. Oh like, my god, that was anything. so.
2: We it was it was episode uh, fifty one with Sean French. We we literally cited almost every single guest, and we asked Den to link in the show notes.
1: It was freaking hilarious. I think so. he actually edited a few of those out. Yeah, he did. He's like, oh, I don't know what happened. Yeah. Uh, super funny. Anyway, it yeah, was good is. times. <laughs> yeah. Well, what do we got in the news today, Owen?
2: So in the news, uh, this is like anecdotal, but I have been, uh, so I have a, a commercial property under contract that uh, we're shopping lenders for, and I've got a couple of partners on this deal, and we're starting to call around. And I want to tie this into kind of like what's going on with the recent rate hikes that the Fed has done and how it's affected the uh, the borrowing rates for mortgages, right? Mm-hmm. So commercial mortgages right now, I got quotes from two different banks uh, at 6.5%. That's pretty high compared to what it used to be, and then I had another bank in Lincoln who I recently started uh, kind of like talking with and working with, and they're at like five point six two five. So a big difference there, but the terms are different. I'm the, the terms are, but I think they're not that different. Like they, the rates are significantly lower with one than the other. So my point to this is. In the news, obviously there's um, you know some interest rate fluctuations and stuff is seems to be going up to try and offset inflation. But hit the phones, people. Don't call a couple lenders because you may get the same interest rate and be like, oh yeah, we're at six and a half, and here's here's our terms. They may be like you know eighty percent LTV and you know five fixed, uh, you know twenty year AM. That's pretty common with uh, commercial rates. But don't stop there. Call more. And you may get somebody that's like a whole percent or like three-quarters of a percent lower with the same other terms involved. That's a big difference when you look at the life of a loan, especially if you start getting into larger commercial deals. So I kind of like wanted to tie that together with a little bit of a quick tip on the uh, – so it's a little new slash uh, golden nugget. But I do have a golden, golden nugget. nugget. So today's golden nugget, this is uh, was a little bit of a – surprise, a little bit of a gotcha for me. So I had Uh-oh. uh Yeah. Yeah. So this last week, um, I have a property that I bought last July, so end of last July. So I've owned it like one year. And it's a an apartment complex in in the uh kind of like midtown downtown area of Omaha, 25th and Dodge. And the uh fire department decided to stop by because they hadn't done a site visit there in like 20 years. Yeah. 20 years. So they did a site visit and walked through the entire property and basically gave us like Like every every unit, every unit. unit, uh, They gave a laundry list of basically like here's stuff you got to do to make this compliant with the uh, recent code changes in the fire code. And there's a lot. And I didn't know this. And so I am. I wanted to bring this up because be proactive here when you own a property like this, so that you don't get surprised by this type of what, visit. What do you mean, like this? I'll tell you. Okay. So when when you are when you when you purchase a property, it would not hurt to reach out to the local fire department that supports the municipality in the area that you're buying in, and find out. What do I need to do to ensure that I am up to compliance with your fire codes? And I, so I know that people listening to this are probably gonna be like, "Yeah, that's the last thing I want to do because I don't want to." Like most of the time, when you get nailed on something or when you get, you know, a, a code enforcement, you know, situation, it means money. Like you're gonna you're gonna have to come out of pocket for money. But I'm saying, do this to be proactive because if you work with them in a proactive way and you say. I want to make sure my property's safe. I want to do these things that you want, but I need time. And, and you can kind of work with them in slow rolling some of that. Make sure the, the safety hazards are obviously taken
1: care of. But go ahead. And it could be a negotiation tactic too.
2: Yeah, it it could. Um, but basically I got dumped with a list of stuff that I needed to do. And I, and honestly, like if 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 you would have asked me two weeks ago, hey, how do you feel about your you know general overall fire safety? on this property, I would have been like, you know, pretty good. Like it's set up pretty well, but I learned some things out of that. And here's, here's a few of them. Uh, So this fire code, and I think this is, I don't know if this is a nationwide thing, but uh, you need to look in your, your local market when your fire code was last updated. And ours was March 3rd of 2021. You have to look at your fire extinguishers and make sure there's adequate support and access for the number of units you have and the length of basically square footage that your tenants have to potentially walk to access one. Fire extinguishers are a big thing, especially in multifamily property, and you need to have one present at a single
1: family as well. I got one in every unit, of my at every unit of every property I own.
2: Perfect. Yeah, so so you're good, but you also need to get them checked once a year to make sure they're they're actually maintaining pressure, the fill level is proper and so forth. So that's a yearly thing, and there's companies around here like I think Stanek fire protection is one and there's, there's several others, but uh, they will go out annually and inspect them and it's not a huge fee. Right. So just get that on the books
1: and they're not, and, they're not expensive to buy.
2: Either. They're really not. No, they're, I mean, it's just a cost, right? So just underwrite that end of the deal, buy or buy a fire extinguisher, buy a bunch of them if you can get them for a discount, but there's other things like, so like in multifamily, you want to have emergency lighting. So like, let's say there's a fire, right? And you have mo- like a three story building or a four story building And you have emergency lighting. So if there's smoke filling the hallways, people can't see. They need to know where they're going. You need to have working functional emergency lighting that flashes that will show you where the exits are. So if you're not – and like I found out that uh, one of the uh, emergency lighting systems that we have – isn't, pro- uh, like something's wrong with it. So we need to make sure it's functional again. I'm glad they did that because that, I mean, that's the last thing you want, right? Somebody gets injured or killed or something as a part of, you know, you, you owning a property and not following the proper you know protocols here. So that, that, the point I'm bringing home here is check with your local, local municipalities on the fire codes to make sure you're adequately up to speed on everything that needs to be done to in order, you, you know, to make it a safe place. Interesting.
1: Yeah, you got my mind rolling on this specific property you're sitting yeah. in right now, and so I, I do have fire extinguishers, and I do have interlinked uh, carbon dioxide and fire detectors, in, in all my units and all the proper spots, so they're all Bluetooth connected into each other. Uh,
2: that now that's uh, one, one quick thing. I know you're not done, but uh, this is a reminder: check your your uh, smoke and CO detectors. Check your batteries. A lot of places that were built, uh, you know. Before they enacted codes and so forth that aren't hardwired, if you have battery powered ones, they make really good ones now. So they're they're like 10 years, like set it and forget it, right? Mm-hmm. Like you install them, they're 10 year LED, whatever, right? And you don't have to worry about them, but go through annually and make sure those batteries are changed. Because that can be – I mean, that's the last thing you want. It's just like an easy thing like a 9-volt battery results in somebody's death because you didn't have it changed. Yeah. So be responsible. Here's a reminder. Go out, check the, check your rental properties to make sure you have functional smoke and CO detectors. Yeah, that's
1: deep. Well, I appreciate that very much. That's good tips. That's good golden nuggets, man. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> well, with that, let's get into today's episode with Jim Enderbrock.
2: Jim Enderbrock. And the pinch hitter extraordinaire. Thanks for coming in today on short
0: notice. This is awesome. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for asking. I love
2: it. Me. What did you find out like an hour ago, hour and a half ago that uh, you were going to be coming in? I got a wake up call about nine o'clock. Said, can you come in at 10? So. The, the melodious tones of the Ted Kosh wake up call. <laughs> well, gosh. sometimes you am jealous. I have a backup list, man. Yeah. I, got,
1: I got names on there and I the got people on the call. Yeah. So
2: <laughs> thank you for your flexibility. Yeah, this is awesome right. that you're coming in. I can't wait to uh, talk to you about your story, how you got involved in real estate investing, find out a little bit more about Jim in DeBrock, the mystery man yeah yeah so jim you <laughs> hail from where are you a, an omaha nebraska native not originally moved here about 40 years ago
0: okay where, where uh originally did you uh, start out all over the u.s dad was in the air force i was born in michigan left before six months old and i couldn't tell you all the places we moved about every year and a half oh no kidding all yeah. through high school and everything oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, what was that like <clears throat> i loved it i had the wonderlust when i moved here i wanted to move around a lot i met a girl and stuck so, <laughs> okay.
2: Now, was it hard? Uh, like, you know, cause you're, it's your formative years, right? So when you're, you're in grade school and then middle school, high school, was that, did that change you as a person? Did it, did it make you hesitant to, you know, establish relationships with people because you knew you were going to be leaving or no, not, not it, really?
0: It made me seek out friends okay you know you didn't have any so you had to go find some
1: yeah so it forced you out of your uh shell a little bit out of necessity absolutely and if you don't know jim he's really outgoing like (laughs) yeah he's the person that'll walk up to anybody and shakes i mean you walk up to everybody and anybody and any social scene or networking group i do i mean is that where that comes from uh probably okay that's good know. know. (laughs) and being
0: in sales for you know 40 years as well so yeah now, tell us a little bit about your background. So besides
2: growing up and traveling around uh, you know, all kinds of different locales in the US, were you ever stationed overseas? Er was your, your dad actually? Uh, he was, but we the family never went. Got it. Okay. So you were always in the US. Uh, ended up, you said, forty years ago in Nebraska? Yep. Okay. And what tell us a little bit more. Like what was your background before you got started in real estate?
0: Uh I was in car sales for roughly thirty eight years.
2: Wow. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Were you uh in the sales function or did, did you kind a, of I did go a little around? Bit of all.
0: I did management and finance and yep in sales sales was where I loved it the
1: most which made you a lot more well-rounded <clears throat> a lot better salesperson because uh, you knew all the different positions and
0: I got to meet more people that way as well so that my sphere today helps from that so
1: okay so
2: you are let's say a little longer in the tooth than uh some of the guests we've had on previously and I appreciate that am I
1: your oldest yeah uh <laughs> I don't know Frank Melville no he wasn't oldest yeah Frank Melville I think is around your age No.
2: you are sixty two correct right. yes now, and when did you get started in real estate investing? I know you're, you you uh, have just your license year. as well. This year? Just this year. So, you know, fun fact, I believe Colonel Sanders uh, started KFC when he was 62 years old. Did you know this? <laughs>
1: <I> <laughs> yes, but I can't believe you brought that up. That's yeah. how funny.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he looks a lot older than 62, though. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, I can see it. I mean, you've, you're, you know, he had the white hair. You're, you're, <clears throat> you're rocking the, the dome. I like that also. Well, but I feel like you could put it on a white suit and you could just rock that. Okay, yeah. Yeah. All the, fu- the tassels and whatever. <laughs> the funny thing you
1: brought that up is um, you you were good friends with Greg Cutchell, right? Yes. And he tells a story of when he started the KFCs here in town that, uh, that Colonel Sanders drove up through the drive-thru and, and talked to him about starting a KFC because he was going around, right? Is that the story mm-hmm. they said? Mm-hmm. Wait, it's- You? No, 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 Oh, no, 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 okay. Not me. No, no, not me. No, no, but he was we were at, we were we were all there and Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Remember yeah. that story there talking about how he started the KFC because Colonel Sanders actually pulled up mm-hmm. in the drive-thru that he was working and then talked about getting a franchise going. Original herbs and spices, baby. That's just crazy. A little inspiration. I, I love that I love that story. Anyway, Thanks. we have to we have to get his son on and talk about that.
2: <laughs> okay, so car sales, long time in that industry. What did you learn out of that? Uh
0: how to deal with people, basically, mm-hmm. uh, both who you're working with and who you're talking to, who you're helping.
2: Now, when you see somebody walking onto that parking lot, what in, and I know you probably look at this since you're a, you're a shark, I can tell. <laughs> Do you kind of size them up and be like, "Oh yeah, there, I got them." There, there's a mark. Maybe, like what? What's some body language you maybe look for early on in
0: my career? But you know, once I learned that the the salesmanship one one, you know, once I learned the people
1: version of it. You just look at everybody as an opportunity. Mm-hmm. I tell you no. what, I, I did car sales for a year. And the, I came into it doing advertising sales. And I did advertising sales for 10 years. And one thing, I, every person I was working with looked at every transaction as one transaction. And I looked at every transaction as a lifelong transaction. And mm-hmm. that's how I did business. Yep. And when I did car sales for that year, I had more two and three car package sales per family at per sale than anybody else
0: than the senior guys. Cause yeah. they didn't look at it that way. Yeah. Yep. And
1: yep. The, and then I was actually getting repeat, multiple repeat clients in the same yep. year. Uh, and I, I think I had top salesperson in my store uh, four or five, six times in that nice. first year, because, because I had, I feel like that mentality changed things. I was like, Hey, let's do lunch or do what But when you're selling real estate right now, what you, what you do, I know for a fact that you're actually reaching out to these Clark clients that you've established long-term relationships with. Is that correct?
0: Absolutely.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting that you say that because I'm thinking I haven't bought it, and we've talked about this on other episodes. But I'm not really a car guy per se. Like I've only owned I think seven vehicles in my entire life, and I have bought four of them from the same person because I like him. Yep. He's a good dude, yep. Heath, Heath Thomas with uh, Manawa um, Nissan. Nice. Uh, great dude, yeah. And I call him. I'm like, hey, I need what do you have? And I try to give them every chance. They, you know. To get what I want, sure. that because um, you, you know, know they're going to take care of it. Yeah, yeah. And there's another guy, Tom Bloom, uh, that we just bought. Uh, I just bought an F one hundred and fifty from out at no, Woodhouse Tom. Ford. Yeah. Hey, he was a great yeah. guy. He remembered like we haven't bought a vehicle there. I mean, it's been a couple, you know, probably three years, but we got uh, a couple of my wife's vehicles from him. And He like remembered all about us and like yeah, it's yep. Just, good dude. Relationship business. Absolutely. And I, so I,
0: I have probably a dozen of my customers over the years that I've sold. Eight to ten cars, too, because of the kids. Just Mm -hmm. generational, four or five generations.
2: Now, how long long ago did you get out of the car business, and uh, did you go
0: right from that to real estate? No, 2019. Okay. I left in February. Uh, Didn't know what I was going to do.
2: Were you retiring, or were you just like, "Ah, I'm I'm going to try something new?
0: It was time to leave where I was at Mm -hmm. and uh, try a few things new and didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh, Kevin Irish is probably a big influence that uh, made me look towards the real estate end of it. And who who is Kevin? Uh Kevin Irish. Everybody knows Kevin Irish. You don't know him yet? You gotta have him on here. Goodness gracious. He's uh he was a principal owner in C B S, uh when they were big, in CBS before it got sold out. CBS is a brokerage. Yes, C B S Homes. And uh he was a he's a, a pharmacist by trade. Um, just a, a great gregarious guy that turned into a real estate developer. Mm-hmm. Got himself into a little bit of trouble and stepped out of that area for a while. And now he's back into uh, residential and uh, commercial development and and sales. Uh, but just a good guy. He was one of my best customers at Lexus. And uh, reached out to him and we talked a little bit. And I went to do a, a few interviews with him and decided this is what I wanted to look at. So it wasn't investing. It was just conventional real estate at the time.
2: How was getting started on the uh, real estate salesperson track for someone who hadn't been in the industry before, but you had a sales background? What was that
0: like? Was it hard starting out? Well, for you know an older guy, but especially me, I'm not the techiest guy in the world, and, and today you need to have some tech skills and knowledge. So it was hard at first, um, learning the, the, the computer programs and all the things you needed to do for contract work and things, um, but- I got through it with some help, and and uh, now it's easy. You know, I mindset change. You talk about mindset. My mindset's changed tremendously in the last just the last year and a half. I've seen that just out of you, and uh, it's uh, maybe maybe you dig a little deeper into that. uh, How so? What was your mindset when you first started? You know, you want to you want to talk about shout outs to people. I'm going to shout out early, and Jerry Schlickburn has helped me change my mindset, and that has allowed me to change my life. Um, She taught me that when i don't know how to do something not to say i can't do that but to say i don't know how to do that yet let's figure it out and that's the way i've been doing it for the last year and a half and that's what's propelled me
2: would you say you had a limiting belief in that uh, capacity of, a for lot of, a lot of years a lot of limiting beliefs actually mm-hmm. huh now okay let's all right let's let's explore this a little bit so changing your mindset that's not a small thing right especially yeah. after you're you know older and kind of Here. set in your ways how did that happen? What specifically maybe happened with your relationship with Jerry to kind of lead you down the path of expanding your mind and
0: looking at things in a different way? You know, being in the, uh, in sales all my life, there was always the opportunity to go to the seminars and the coaching and things, but oddly enough in the car business, they don't really present it like coaching, like it is in the real estate business. So had I uh, known about that more, had I, maybe researched it more, been pushed into it more. I would have probably gotten a coach way back when Jerry's an amazing coach. She, she's a magnet for, for people. And she's the first one that I've ever really wanted to listen to as a coach. Mm -hmm. And so I've taken her classes and uh, mindset and uh, love and everything that she teaches just changed, changed the way I look at everything.
2: Now, is she still doing that program? I know they had a pretty big sign she's, up. Uh, she's, before.
0: she's wanting to step away from sales completely and just coach. So okay, and had, so, I, had I not taken Catalyst, I would not be here today.
2: So shout out to to Jerry Schlickburn. Uh, here, here. She has put together a coaching program for getting people, uh, you know, kind of off off their butts. Uh, you know, changing mindsets to a more positive frame of mind and and uh, goal oriented, and then get started in real estate investing. And Absolutely. it's accountability and. Uh, you know, leadership and change and embracing, you know, new things and, and all that. Is, that. is that a pretty good summary? Absolutely. Okay. Awesome. Okay. So you met Jerry. That sounds like it had a really positive influence on you. And uh, when you started with the real estate salesperson route, were you kind of doing the thing where you're like working with first-time home buyers and so forth when you first started out, or did you jump right into working with investors? No, how, did, not, how did that
0: change? Not at all. I, I stumbled through g- lead generation and, and sphere... Uh, calling and, and just finding people to buy and sell. Um, for some reason, I wasn't great at generating the leads like I needed to. Some of the agents that are just going crazy with you know normal conventional real estate. So I wasn't sure that's what I wanted to do and started researching. And uh, all of a sudden, again, Jerry Schlickburn walks into our office two and a half years ago mm-hmm. and uh, wanted to interview with uh, our office as a brokerage. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I met her with her brand new adopted baby Caleb at the front door. talked to him for five minutes.
1: It was, the person you are, you approached her right away and then- i I was walking into my
0: office, <laughs> and they were sitting there and i I saw this cute baby and a good looking woman and I said hello. <laughs> <laughs> and it was meant to be because here I am from her so uh over the over that time she interviewed with our team. We went to uh, Austin, Texas for the family reunion down there. no. No Dallas for the family reunion, and uh, she ended up bumping into Jeff Cohn and didn't know what he was doing, and uh, ended up joining Jeff's side on KW Elite. So uh, that's why I met her originally, and then uh, when I went to the KW Elite office for a meeting, she was up talking, and I just something just clicked. So I wanted to follow, and uh, we stayed in touch, and I got into her coaching class, and the rest is history. Awesome, yeah. So what what does your business look like now? Um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm on fire. <laughs> <clears throat> Excuse me. I own four properties, uh, by myself that, uh, I bought just in the last four months. Uh, I've got another one under contract, made a deal yesterday with another one that we're going to, uh, set up as an Airbnb or a short-term nurse rental, uh, over in, uh, council bluffs. This was a deal that, you know, you just keep working hard and things fall into your lap. And this was a friend of mine I've been working on for a while to get his place rented that he's not been in for three years. And uh, finally, he's ready to do something, and now we're going to partner with it. And it's just a, an incredible opportunity that doesn't take a penny out of my pocket to do. And I'm going to teach this young how to do investing as well. So that's what's fun about that one. Well,
2: that's pretty cool. We're going to
0: have to dig into that one.
2: Yeah. Okay. Now, pivot here a little bit. Okay. So you were on the um, brokerage and sales side and met Jerry. Sounds like that was pretty impactful. You now have... Pretty quick progress in not a long amount of time. Why real estate investing at this stage in your life? You're you're 62. I mean, you could be off you all know, the more off the sunset.
0: That's, well, no, that no, I can't be yet. So I'm trying to get there. Um, didn't manage my money well enough to be able to do that. So the investing side of it is going to allow me to get there quicker than just conventional real estate. Mm-hmm. I want to help people that buy houses every day or every week, not people that buy houses every seven or eight years.
2: Okay. So have you have you <coughs> shifted your business to focus more on working with investors who have more
0: transactions? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. More so on myself right now. That's why I'm acquiring property so I can make some money and, and keep going and then with investors as well all the networking that we've been doing, the investors just keep falling out of the woodwork. So,
1: so that has changed your business. I mean, absolutely. And are you still doing traditional sales then too? If somebody wants help. Yes. I'm working with a lady right
0: now on a regular home in Wahoo and uh, regular home. <laughs> are there any regular ones in Wahoo? Traditional. <laughs> yeah. Tradi- traditional real estate. So yes, absolutely. So all my friends and family and, and uh, you know, my sphere, I still, I still do some lead generation with them, but more so just finding investment properties.
1: I think we need to dig a little bit more into these four houses you have. So can you tell us a little bit of the structure that you're doing? You said they're all by you, no partners, right?
0: Uh, three of them are without partners. Uh, the fourth one is with a partner. And then the one I just mentioned with my friend uh, that has the condo, that'll be the fifth one with a partner, second one with a partner.
1: So that many properties, how, how have you been able to get the financing? You just said you didn't weren't very good with money and putting your money together. So... How have you been able to put the financing together to get these deals in, on, in such a short period of time?
0: One of the things that I've learned is how easy it is to, to leverage everything. Um, one of the things I learned in my Catalyst class was how to, how to uh, build your team, not only on the finance side, but everywhere else, but for the finance side, uh, HELOC loans, uh, learning the different ways you have available money to you, um, learning how to work with the commercial lenders. Uh, on a commercial property and not that traditional, you know, you got to wait 45 days to get financed. They're looking at you only rather than the deal. So the commercial properties with the deals, the ARV loans, your um, uh, uh, hard money lending, those things just make everything so easy. But you got to know about them. You got to know how to use them.
1: So on that first property, how did you go about buying that one?
0: Uh, that one was with Centris Federal Credit Union, commercial uh, division there. Um I found that property uh, on the MLS. wasn't wasn't sure about it, but it just spoke to me, so I went and looked at it. Ended up buying it. Ended up trying to back out of it. Ended up <laughs> being kept in it.
2: Okay. All, all right. Hang on. <clears throat> why? Why to all of that? Why? Why? Did, why? Why, why I, were I, you interested
1: in it? Everybody first?
0: told me no. Don't do this, Jim. I didn't. I didn't listen. Okay, and, and I'm fine with that.
1: And that's your old uh, circle, not your new circle. Uh,
0: no, no. That was some of the new circle that was looking at, at the property with me. You know, this is not a great one. This is not a great one. I just felt differently. So I dove in. We're uh, uh, fixing to list it in the next week or so. Um, but shortly after I bought it, two weeks after I bought it, there was water in the basement. Because they somebody had uh, left water on upstairs in a sink that overfilled and it went into the basement. Oh. So, so, you know... Uh, The negative negativity was planted in my mind from the people telling me not to do it, not to do it. So I tried to back out of it. Um, I was able to hold it together. She was able to keep me in, and uh, we're moving forward. It's about ready to get listed, and and, uh, it's going to be a good sell. It it appraised for more than what we asked for. Um, Of course, that was a couple months ago, so we'll see how the market's going to be to us on this one. Um, We've had a few issues over there. Uh, I had two dumpsters. Uh, both dumpsters got filled up by the neighbors before my contractors filled them up. So <laughs> <laughs> just the Owen's face right now. If you're listening Oh, to this. that just pisses me off. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. yeah. I've had so, that happen so many times. And my contractor says, Jim, this never happens to me in South Omaha, North Omaha every time. So unfortunately. Yeah. But okay. we're moving forward. We're going to make a nice house out of it. You know, and that's
1: the one I just got bid at. So. so this wasn't a rental property for you. It never planned to be a rental no, property. This no. is a flip plan this all the way. This is a flip plan all the way. And you did traditional uh, commercial f- financing. Yep. And then you're so you got this one going. You, you're, you're probably fairly leveraged at this time. But uh, can I? I'm yeah. sorry. Can I interrupt for a second? What? Why did you go?
2: So do you? You have your own home, correct? Like I you have a primary residence. I do. Why not get a conventional loan on your first investment property instead of going a commercial loan, which it sounds like you did? So you had to form an LLC. Correct and get all that set up. And did you you did that basically solo, right? So you have a single member LLC. Correct. You intended to buy this as a flip. Yes. And what was it? And I I don't want to let you off the hook too easily on this. Why did you buy this when other people told you not to? What was it about this house that you said, this fits my criteria that I'm looking for as a flip? My
0: inner self was telling me you're okay. But why? Does your I, inner self have a calculator? Know. I, I mean, don't know. It- you know, whether you want to call it God, whether you want to call it my my spirit, I don't know. But I just, I felt comfortable with it. Okay. Just like, the, just like my most recent uh, purchase uh, on Harrison Street. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a partner originally. Uh, we needed another partner. We needed another partner. All partners backed out on the first deal. Uh huh. No, no, okay. no, no. On, no, on this cur- most current, right?
2: Deal. But we're not done with the first deal. Okay, yet. sorry. So sorry. sorry. So you bought it,
0: yeah. Despite
2: uh, people telling you not to, yep. you said, "I think I'm going to make this work." Yep. And you bought it with a, com- a commercial loan, correct? Um, what was that process like? So this is the first time you doing well, that let ever. Me, right? Let me
0: brag about that. It's uh, one of the things I learned uh, through my coaching is uh, your your circle and your sphere <clears throat> is where you want to build your team from. So a uh, uh, shout-out to Steve Swanstrom at Centris Credit Union. Uh, know him from the car business a long time ago. Uh, went and renewed our relationship. Uh, told him what I wanted to do. He hooked me up with his commercial lenders. Uh, once they had all my information, I was good enough to look good. And Steve said, do what he wants to do. What did you have to give to the com- uh, commercial lender in order to get approved for a loan? Oh, the normal, uh, your you know, your taxes, your uh, LLC information. N- n- not nearly as much hoops as you dump through for a conventional loan. So generally a personal financial statement. Yes. Right. You, you yes. had to give them that as yes. well. So
2: uh, PFS, as they're called, uh, two years of tax returns, two or three, depending on the lender. Correct. Right? And bank statements, any of that, or no. it just LLC nope, organization, LLC, documents? yep.
0: All the registration and the, the management.
2: Okay. So I just wanted to highlight this because this is your first deal. And I talk to a lot of people and I'm sure you do too, that when they're starting out, they're like, well, I can get a thirty-year conventional loan, and uh, rates are so much lower, and they're easier. And, and like I, I haven't done one of those in—I mean, I don't even know how long, like fifteen years, sixteen years, something like that. And they were—they suck so bad mm-hmm. to go through those. When you, especially when you have—if you're self-employed and you don't have a W-2 and you're not—you know—you itemize, and you—you you know, like the more complicated your tax situation is, the more difficult it is to have the underwriting. Be satisfied uh,
0: with a conventional loan. Absolutely, would you agree? Yes. Is that why? That you is why. To go that? Okay. Uh, well, at that and namely, I wasn't planning on keeping the the property. Yeah. You know, it's going to be a flip, so just get the best terms you can and move on. Why did you decide to do a flip with your first one as opposed to buying and I maybe need, refinancing? I need the
2: cash re- reserve. Okay, it. got it. So cash reserve. So that uh, that's similar to how I started too. So you flipped. You wanted to develop some uh, chunks of cash. Is the goal rentals after that? Or are you gonna? Is that kind of what's I'm focused,
0: next? I'm focused on uh, short term rentals and more importantly, I think now Airbnbs. Um, I still think they're the way to go. I've done a lot of uh, listening and researching and and uh, across the acro- around the world, that's the strongest growth segment in real estate. Mm-hmm. And in even even in our economy right now, and especially in the Midwest, that still shows across the data that it's the strongest growth. So okay. that's what I'm focusing on: is Airbnbs and short term rentals um, I I do the flips because I need to make the money. Now the the, ones, sorry, go ahead. The other ones, when I get enough of them will be my passive income and I'll make the money from that. But right now to continue on buying, I need to make the money from flips. How'd you do on your first one? Uh, haven't sold it yet. It's going to go list, uh, next week. If all goes well, I should do fine. Okay. What's fine. Like what did you buy it for? Maybe tell us what you like bought it for, what you put into it. I bought it for 115,000. Okay. Uh, we've spent sixty five on rehabbing it, sixty five thousand. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Yeah, it was it was a nasty little interior. Okay, uh, but it's a good solid house. Was this a like three bed two bath? <clears throat> what what was uh, that? a four bed okay. three bath? One big and house, half, one and a half story, big house for that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. One just got finished by another agent, two doors down. It's a two bed one house or one bath at one twenty nine. It's been on the market for forty days, mm. um, and I truly believe it's because it's two bed one bath in that neighborhood. I hopefully, hopefully mine will sell quickly because of the, the size in the room Okay, and, and it appraised for a little bit more than what we were expecting. So we'll price it accordingly and see what happens.
2: Well, okay. Let me ask you this. So your first deal, it seems like nobody ever budgets appropriately on those. I mean, it's really hard to, was this house built in the 1920s? I don't remember the date. The, the part of town that it's in was kind of developed in the early 1900s. Yeah, so that's why I'm the, wondering. If, in the early 1900s. So this, yeah. is a, this is a property in the south part of uh, – toward downtown Omaha, which it's similar to most metro areas in that um, it starts in a downtown and then kind of develops uh, wherever the geography will support it. So yeah. in, in like the Omaha-Nebraska market, we have the Missouri River on the east side. So you're, you can't obviously build over that. So, everything kind of goes west, north, and south uh, from there. And this is close to the downtown market, so it's older. Uh, usually, 100 year old housing stock is what you find in a lot of uh, major cities like mm-hmm. that around the, around the downtown and kind of like inner midtown areas. Um, okay, so you're going to, what do you think you're going to do on this now, profit wise? So, you got 65K into it. Does that, like, how, how far over your
0: budget were you? About 12,000.
2: That's not terrible. No,
0: no. <laughs> not for my yeah. first one. I feel good about it. What all did you do to the place? <clears throat> all new flooring? Okay, top and bottom, and in the basement um a, a few new walls, all new paint now when you say a few new walls, what does that mean? So Do you mean you pulled the, ba- the basement got wet and some walls soaked up some water and and got moldy, so we replaced the walls in the basement area where that happened okay, um there was a hole in a couple of walls elsewhere, so we replaced those, didn't just patch them we pulled the wall down, put new new wall board up, so okay, um <clears throat> mainly because it was not just a hole in it but popped up and who knows what they had done to it. So we just said, we're going to make it new. Okay. Got it. Uh, new light fixtures all the way around, new electrical all the way around, new panel. Um, I may end up putting a furnace in it. It's holding up so uh, okay so far, but it's from 1984. Uh, air conditioners from 16, so I don't think I have to worry about anything just there. Just
1: see if you can those air, uh, get one of those home warranties on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So
0: you don't replace the furnace. I'm not yet.
2: Get it's get good. an HVAC guy over there I have, and, and I have so he said clean it, bill of health. Yep, it's we're functioning run. fine. And it's still running.
0: Good. Air conditioning's chilling just right.
2: So, good, good. Okay. okay. <clears throat> so, um like I'm sorry, you you said your you, what do you think your profit's going to be if it sells for what you 50. think? 50 Wow. That's pretty salty for a first deal. Is it it does that match what you th- were hoping for? Yes. Okay. That was the goal from the, be- the beginning. So fifty k. Let's talk about this for a minute. Ted always brings this up when we talk about flipping. What are you going to do about the tax bill? Uh, So you're going to you're going to have Andy handle that. You're going to have short term capital gains taxes. Um, Any of the properties that you have in progress right now, other than the first one, are any of those going to be holds for you? Okay. Maybe talk us
0: through uh, the rest of them. Okay. So my second one, uh, you know, I've learned to not say lucky because. When you work hard, it it's not luck. It's 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 effort. It's hard work. <laughs> yes. So I, I found one in Keystone, and uh, I have a new appreciation for hoarder. If they're a neat hoarder, now what's um, a what's a neat hoarder? One that one that one that if she spills something, she cleans it up. He spills something, cleans it up. Whatever doesn't let stuff lay around. Just keeps things and stacks it up neatly. Um, I've only found one so far, <laughs> uh, but this house was like. Pristine. She she was there for 35 years. Um, it's a cool, cool little, I call it a Frank Lloyd Wright blue-collar neighborhood. Kind of like a, a craftsman style it is, house. It's a cool little house with a detached garage in front of it with a breezeway, uh, a party area in front of it. It's just cool. So
2: key, Keystone area in Omaha is kind of a mid-century uh, build yes. type construction. And, and yep. that area is known for having uh, a few builders that had similar architectural styles. Yep. So a lot of mid-century
0: modern stuff. I love that's Keystone. My, that's Keystone's, my theme. Keystone's cool. My Airbnb is the head, head listing is mid-century modern uh, Frank Lloyd Wrightish uh, mm-hmm. property. So anyway, uh, went and looked at the places outdated uh, style-wise from 1960, but it's brand new. Because all the things she had covering everything protected everything. And I didn't know this. I didn't know this. It was clean when I got there. The neighbors next door, uh, I met him. He brought his wife over to meet me just before I opened for Airbnb. And I asked if they wanted to take a tour. And they said, yeah. So while we're walking through, he says, last time we were here, we had to squeeze through yeah. everything. And we couldn't see the walls because everything was stacked over our heads. So that made me realize what I had because of that. I, I knew that what I had before, but that made me understand uh, what that clean hoarder did. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't have to replace much of anything. Every wall in that place has wallpaper that still looks like new. The carpet's a bright blue in the in the uh, dining room. It still looks like new, so we've kept everything like that. Bright she, blue carpet, huh? Yeah, it's crazy. Is it shag too? It, it's kind it's sculpted, <laughs> sculpted thick <laughs> thick plush sculpted carpet with a with a a wall of mirrors. <laughs> it's pretty
1: cool. It's good. It fits. It fits. one has got a wall mirrors, but he has it on the ceiling above his bed. <laughs> I figured so. <laughs> I, t- I knew that was coming. I, I warned you. Uh, I knew
0: that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have to warn me. God forbid that. we have an episode without a sexual innuendo no uh, thrown sex in there in by there. Ted. There was no yeah, sex
1: in I, there. there was it was there. an innuendo. <laughs> oh, he just likes to look at himself in the bedroom from the ceiling. Okay. I mean, was, I Super know. weird. He's like he's 16.
2: <laughs> Cheers to that, brother. <laughs> uh, uh, so, okay, Jim. So this this one you're going to keep? Is that right? This yes. is going to be an Airbnb. Yes. We, okay.
0: fired, we fired this up just before College Rule Series got booked uh, right away and then got booked right away again. And I've, I've got people in there now, and it's just keeping uh, keeping a cash flow coming in. So are nice. you self-managing that? Yes.
1: And tell can you, can we, What were we going to say?
0: No, no, I was going to
2: say I, I wanted to ask you this. Um, you seem like you're very pro Airbnb or short-term rental. And that property in particular. So let's let's look at Omaha for example. So you have Omaha's roughly about a million population mm-hmm. when you when you factor in all the you know suburbs and so forth. We are we have a handful of generally like spring and summer events that are fairly well uh, populated, or like a lot of a lot of travelers, a lot of vacationers come here. Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting, mm-hmm. the Olympic Swim Trials. You've got Omaha or the uh, College World Series. A lot of travelers come into town so it's a very popular time but I mean let's face it that's like three weeks out of the year and you come you know here in January or February you're not coming here in January or February unless you have to of course generally so here's my question you bought a property Keystone is not Midtown downtown it's not a touristy location at all why <laughs> are you using that for an Airbnb and are you doing well with it and what do you what, what's your overall outlook on the location of
0: that if you plan to use it as a short-term rental. This one again was, I had some naysayers as I spread the word that I bought it and what I was doing with it because of its location. Right. And I, I realized that. So I knew I had to make it a, a destination place. So I focused on making it mid-century modern style. I ran around for a month finding furniture all around the four counties around us. Um, and I still have to decorate some things for it. So it's very it, themed out. It is. Yeah. It is themed out. Um, I looked for a kitchen table and found one on Facebook marketplace and found that it was friends of mine, old customers of mine. So I called them immediately and it had gotten sold, but they're moving to Arizona and, uh, they're a single couple professional couple and they have nice things. So I said, what else are you getting rid of? (laughs) So I went to Glenwood and bought their, almost their basement. I got a beautiful leather, um, um, what do you call them? City where the different sectionals, but I got a ten. A man custom made poker table because they're into card playing. Yeah, that's so cool. Instead of a pool table, which there was in this basement originally, um, I have a, a cool poker table down there. I have a I have a booking specifically in September. Um, I I almost said no, but I had to review the the guy's reviews and I couldn't say no then. For one day, he's going to bring twenty people over to play a tournament of poker and
2: darts. oh no kidding yeah
0: huh. yeah are you going to so. have
2: to get another table. No, I've got
0: another table already. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah, there's a, there's so you're a, putting there, two, two tables there's in a round, there. No, there's a round table in there for poker, and there's a long table for poker in there. So, And it's a it's a kitschy, like a speakeasy basement. I was just going to say, cool it about. sounds like you have a kind of an, uh, it's a speakeasy going on here. It is a bar. I've got one guy wanting me to do some stuff over that I shouldn't do because of it, but I'm not going to. So anyway. Anyone on a, the liquor commission, don't just uh, <laughs> fast forward through this part <laughs> of the episode. No. <laughs> no, they'll bring their own liquor.
1: But it's a, a very cool uh, a basement bar setup. Well, Jim, one question I have, um, I do Airbnbs, as you well aware, but, you know, it you self-manage, and I don't self-manage my Airbnbs. So That's because you're so much bigger than I am. I'm just getting started. Well, no, it, it's just I, I, I don't have the – I haven't taken the time to do it or, or learn it, and you have. But my question for you is, can you break down your, your team for this? Like, what people do you need in your circle to be able to manage your short terms? I'm still managing that. I'm still figuring
0: that out um, since I'm I'm new to this. Um, so far I've been doing 95% of everything myself. Including cleaning? No, I have a cleaner. Okay. Well, that, that, I mean, it's more than 5%.
1: Okay, yeah. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I mean, would, wouldn't you say that the cleaning person is one of the most integral parts Absolutely. Of, uh, of your team? Absolutely. And I got very fortunate
0: in finding a young lady who's uh, very diligent about doing a great job. She's done before, um, she's divorced, but her and her husband did uh, flips and construction and stuff. So she knows what we're talking about. Um, and she's actually looking for some employees to continue growing her business because of it. Uh, but she'll, she's doing that one. Uh, she'll do it again Sunday. Uh, but yeah, you're right. She's probably, she's probably 25% of, of my business. Cause if it's not clean, people aren't going
1: to like it. No. And you get bad reviews. Absolutely. And then is there like certain checklist items that you have for her? Like what, like besides cleaning, does your other duties she has, Does she, does she check for things being stolen or out of place? Does she move things she'll, back?
0: She counts, uh, bedding and towels. Okay. That's the only thing I have to worry about being stolen. Everything else I can see. Um, uh, but she just knows what to look for. She makes sure that the the toilet paper there, the towels are up. Um, you know, she came back yesterday because they were the last renters were not the cleanest, and there were cigarette butts and beer caps all over the outside of the house. So she came back yesterday and cleaned up the outside of the house for me too. So
1: what what does she charge you usually for a house? Does it vary? It no. Well, this one did
0: because it was a little tougher cleanup from a forty one day stay. But normally it's two fifty. Mm-hmm. Um but it's a big house it's 2600 square feet with four bedrooms in it so And you charge that back to the people that are yes, staying right I charge two fifty for the cleanup fee wow. I should charge more and I only charge 150 for a short stay but I still pay her 250 Okay So I got to figure out how to make that work better
2: Hey I'm going to st- uh, real quick I'm going to take a stab at breaking down um this if if you're okay with it kind of sure. like So Airbnb what do you think you're all in on this this house in uh, the mid-century modern house in Keystone
0: I spent two thirty one on it. Okay, all that's your purchase plus that's rehab my purchase. No, my uh, my rehab has been uh, less than twenty thousand dollars. No, I shouldn't say that. Less than ten thousand rehab and about twenty thousand uh, uh, furnishings. Okay, so you're what two sixty
2: all in ish? Yes. Okay, so your payment is what approximately 2200 bucks. So, okay, twenty two hundred plus tax and, no, tax and insurance, including tax insurance. Okay, so twenty two hundred bucks. What's your monthly
0: income on that? Have so you... far, it's been a little over four thousand each month. Okay, the first uh, ten days was uh, sixty two hundred because of the College World Series. Yeah, nice. And then the uh, next one was sixty two hundred
2: for forty days. Okay, all right. So four thousand a month. And what do you think
0: you could rent that for long term? Thirty five hundred. Really, the way it's as furnished the way it is now, yes. Yeah, we're talking to furnished finders about it, and they're not blinking an eye about it. Now, when you say long term, you mean do you oh, well? Mean like, I don't mean long term. You said long term. I mean short term for those. I'm not sure I want to do long term. I like this uh, short term deal because I can keep track of my property.
2: Yeah, I guess the reason I ask is like, what if Omaha said no more short term rentals okay. and you had to shift it? Like, do you well, think you get two thousand a month, twenty five hundred bucks, twenty five hundred? Okay, that's about what I was. Yeah estimating. So you'll still cover your roughly your monthly nut with uh, tax, principal interest taxes and insurance. Yep. You know, there's going to be repairs and so forth, but you'll probably right right around break even Should if be, you're yes. self-managing. Yep. Now with short-term rentals, so four grand in income. So you're basically like getting what, 40% more, 35% more, something like that as a premium for doing the short-term rental. And if you had, I'm just doing some quick math here. If you had a property manager handle the bookings and the day to day, you're probably going to pay about 20% uh around here anyway. I yes. know in the coastal areas it's a lot more than yeah, that, but here. 20%, so let's say of that 4 grand a month, you're going to pay 800 bucks. So you'd end up netting what 3200, but you're since it's a short-term rental, you have to consider that you're also paying for Wi-Fi, utilities, mm-hmm. right, all that, yes. lawn care snow mm-hmm. removal. So your expenses are a lot higher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think you would be about the same if you did a long-term rental yeah. without the headaches? I, I think it's
0: a, I think it's a break-even. When you say without the headaches, what do you mean?
2: Every day, people reaching out to you and wanting to book it, lining up cleaners constantly. Well, if you, if
0: you do short-terms, you know, you're know you at three to six months terms for that, so it's not as bad. Well, I would call that
2: midterm. Yeah, I would call that. Like if you're talking traveling nurses, like short-term rentals, I think of, like I'm going to a different town for a weekend. Like Airbnb then? Yeah, okay. Airbnb. Strictly. Yeah, okay. so STRs generally are Airbnb, okay. VRBO. You're talking more of the travel nurse. How, that's how new I am in this. Yeah. I used to okay. know but, all the well, No, I wanna d that's why though. we're digging into this. Yeah. Is so people like if they're considering, oh, Airbnbs sound awesome, like I wanna kinda like, you know, fill in the gaps here with what does that mean with your responsibilities and income and expenses and sure. you know, your day to day. So long term rentals, generally you're gonna have somebody move in. The tenants are gonna be on the hook for the utilities, lawn care, snow removal. If it's a single family house, that's typically normal around here. Would you agree with that? I would. And uh, short-term rentals, if you're self-managing, it's a lot more of a, like, you have to furnish it. You have to provide Wi-Fi. You have to do, you know, it, like somebody's there over the weekend and they're like, hey, the AC isn't working. You're yep. doing constant, like, Utilities. triage, yep. right? So there's more of that. Uh, but, yeah, it sounds like you're making a premium on it, but maybe not like a crazy premium. Do you no. think that's, is that due to the location?
0: Anything you would change about this deal? It's because I'm not asking a crazy premium. Okay. If I were, I might get it. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think so because of that area, because it's not the destination area. Got downtown. it. Okay. The good thing is, is it is minutes from the highway and minutes from the airport. So if somebody's not looking to be downtown, they just want a place that's comfortable and not a noisy traffic place. It's a nice neighborhood. All right. So that was property number two. Correct. And
2: three and four are also going to be short-term rentals, medium-term rentals? Um,
0: is three, that the plan? Number three was a partnership. Sorry, number three was a partnership. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's a, a, a good uh, catalyst coaching story, if I may. Okay. Um, Nate Rold, another student in the class. I met him in my first class with Jerry. Yeah, good dude. Wholesaler for about 10 years now. Mm-hmm. Sharp young man. Yeah. Um, he's got, nice he, kid. He's got a story. If he he's very he's very sharp. He died five times on a table in one day, and they brought it back. So he's not done yet. He's here to do something powerful. So he had a property. He wasn't sure what he wanted to do with, and he called Jerry. Um, Jerry says, we're not looking for anything right now like that so-called Jim. So I, I went and looked at it. He didn't really know what he had. I wasn't sure what he had, but I thought he had a lot more than he thought he had. So I called Jerry back and told her what I thought we had. She says, I'll have Mike come over and look at it. He went over and looked at it and he said, deal, we're done. We're in. So now it's a partnership of us four on the corner of uh, 17th and Martha Street, two blocks from uh, Sokol Auditorium and all that All that 13th Street means going left and right, right? hmm um, area is money right now, right? So it's a it's a vacant two story built for, um, duplex. It's got a basement that's unfinished. We're gonna finish it and make it a threeplex. Right now we're having fun arguing which ones, how many are gonna be Airbnb and how many's gonna be long term or short term. So that's kind of fun to deal with. But that was my uh, third one that involved Nate. Calling me and and getting things put together, and now we have a partnership.
2: So, Nate found the
0: deal. He did. And then
2: you provided what? Uh, Insight. Okay. So, you kind of were a consultant, and then are, so just so I understand, the listeners understand, are there three people involved in the partnership? Four of us. Four. So, it's Mike, Mike, Jerry, and Jerry. Okay. And then me and and Nate, and you. Okay. Correct. Correct. Got it. And so, you're trying to decide, like, what are you furnishing? What's short-term rental versus long? How is that How is that going, the conversations?
0: Uh, I think somebody else is going to win out and probably get two of them be rent, uh, long-term rentals. Uh, okay. And that may be the right right thing for that. I just think in that area an Airbnb is going to be good, so we're going to try one of them to see.
1: I have a lot the, of clients that do really good with the Airbnbs in that area.
0: The beauty of this property is it's not just this building. It's built on. It's on that corner, and that building is right up to the edge of the corner. It still has two-thirds of the ground left. It's uh, it's zoned for multifamily, uh, up to 75-foot construction. So we could build a, a six-story building there with multifamily. We're not sure what we're going to do.
1: We're going to get it up and running and paying for itself, and then we're going to develop that corner. That's the sweet part of it. Being a new investor and being your first partnership, can you explain to us a little bit how you guys decided what each person's role would be in that partnership? Well, um, me being new to it, I uh, kind of uh,
0: alluded, or, or let uh, Jerry and Mike figure that out. Help us figure that out. Uh, Nate brought the deal, and as a wholesaler, should get some cash up front on it, so he did. Um, uh, but he'll be the 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 I think the limited least limited partner, so um, he's got a little bit lower percentage. Jerry, Mike, and I each have equal percentages, but he got cash out of the deal up front. Um, and so, since- so that that's interesting.
2: So he. He was involved in... He found it. Correct. He brought it to you guys. Correct. And you he got some cash when you closed. Yep. And then he also got some equity. Yes. So I would assume then that he gave somewhat of a
0: discount on what he would normally charge as a wholesale fee. Is that true? Well, no. I think he made the same money he made as a wholesaler would have. If really? He, if he had just sold it. And that was the beauty of the deal for everybody. He brought the deal to the table and didn't know what he had. Yeah. You know? So he still made money. And he's now going to make money as a partner. You know, what was fun. What was fun is I look at every deal the way Jerry has taught me to look at every deal. And that's not just for yourself. Mm-hmm. So when Nate and I were over there looking at the deal, I just I I saw this deal. He says, Do you want to buy it, Jim? And I said, What do you want to do, Nate? He goes, What do you mean? I said, Do you want to sell it and just make some money, or do you want to be a partner and make some money? And he looked at me. A little, I mean, uh, an actual glimmer in his eye. And he says, "I'd love to partner on this with you."
2: Okay, being cutthroat uh, here, <laughs> why would you even bring that up? Not, not? I'm not? And, and the reason I ask that is because, and I get it, you're 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 giving him, you know, you like this is big picture here. This is a long play, I would assume. So he's a good guy. You want to give him a piece of the deal and develop that relationship even further, and maybe you can partner on future things, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm just guessing, and, and we are, yeah. But like you could have been like, look, man, you're gonna make the same thing if we if you just wholesale it to us. Why also give a piece of the equity? And I think we just answer that question. Absolutely, that's the reason why. It's the Absolutely. long the, the long term portion of this. Yes, that's what's cool about the Midwest, man. Like I, I I've talked to investors on both coasts and and uh, like that aren't from around here and they don't and understand they the through. long game maybe yep. and and the
1: relationship aspect of it. I think as deeply as maybe people in the Midwest do. But he still put cash into it, too. He took cash out. You didn't just give him equity. He, he put a little cash into it. Yeah. yeah, so he got his paid out, but then yeah. he put his fair share in, like, yeah. the rest absolutely. of the absolutely. Okay. Absolutely.
0: Well, this is
2: really interesting. Yes. I mean, you've done a lot of fairly sophisticated moves. I mean, you're only four deals in? That's super interesting. I mean, I I don't know. I've, I, we haven't had anybody on that's done this, like, uh, type of a structure with deals before, on their right out of the gate. Most people are like single family, single family, single family, single family. Run out of money, flip, flip, uh, buy more rentals. Maybe do a multifamily. Oh, I'm out of money again. Then borrow from friends and family, and then grow, and then like run out of money. Like that's generally the kind of like fits and starts of being a start out
1: real estate investor. Seen and heard that. Yeah. Well, the ironic part was the only other person that was kind of similar to this was Michael Freed, which is um Michael Freed and Jim are both on my real estate team. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. He was at my Harrison Street house this morning. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Michael Freed's another power to
0: deal with. So.
2: Well, that's cool. Well, okay. In this uh, section, we're going to spring on you here, uh, lovingly called...
1: Failing forward.
2: So let's talk about a deal. I know uh, you've got a small handful under your belt so far, but um, let's talk about a situation that happened in a deal where it didn't go according to plan. Maybe what you learned along the way, how it ended up, uh, some takeaways from it. Does that sound okay? Got anything in mind? I,
0: fortunately, I've not had a real bad failure yet. So the failing forward that I would give to you is the word street property when I had to try when I tried to back out of it.
2: Okay, Wirt Street is... My flip. Uh, your, which, and that was your... F- That's my first, first property. Deal. Okay. My first deal. Okay, all right, let's 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 hear about
0: it. All right, so what happened? Well, um, I bought it needing a lot of work, knowing that, and a few weeks into it, I happened to go back over and check it after I had it under contract, and uh, there was water in the basement. Somebody had turned water on in a sink upstairs, it overfilled the sink, mm-hmm. in into the basement, and it ruined a, a couple of good walls, and... Mates mold and all the other things that, that ha, ha, has to happen. So uh, while dealing with the agent and, and trying to back out, I learned a few things about what they say and what they do or don't do and what they don't say. Agents. Agents and uh, other uh, investors. Okay, elaborate on that. What this, do you mean? This was a company that, uh, it was a rental for this company. They they were uh, starting to rehab it and found more work than from my, I'm guessing all this after all I've gone through. Okay. Found more work than they wanted to deal with, so they put it on the market to sell. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't disclose a couple of things. Um, I, I tried to throw that into when I was backing out of the deal because of the water. Um, we negotiated a few things back and forth, ended up uh, putting the deal back together, but during the process I found after um afterwards I had been lied to quite a bit by an agent.
1: Ooh. Yeah. There's
0: a fiduciary responsibility now, that you can't be doing. That, right? I'm not quite sure <laughs> that she was lying to me uh, blatantly lying herself as much as her seller was. Now was this
2: a this so this was the seller's agent yes. of the property you yes. bought for your first flip. Okay. okay. Got it.
0: So a- anyway, it uh they they said they were doing this and they were doing that and I went over to check on them and they weren't doing this and they weren't doing that. Can you
2: can you be specific? Uh, like let, when, let's say when, I'm a
0: new, let's say I'm a new investor and I okay. want to go out and buy. What what do I need to
2: watch out for? What did you What happened to you? What was specifically things that were misrepresented?
0: Well, it only got misrepresented after we were under contract. Okay, and this water problem happened. Mm-hmm. Um, then we found out where more water problems were coming from that they had tried to hide. Okay, um, they told me that they were. Uh, Uh, mitigating the area of water and the mold. And when I went over there, there were no fans. This was like 48 hours afterwards. There were no fans. There were no cutout walls. There was nothing being done to mitigate it. And so when I called her on, she goes, oh, no, that's been done. I said, I just came from the property and it hasn't been done. Well, I'll find out about it. Well, 24 hours went by and I got nothing back. I went over again. There was one fan in the place, but it was still sopping wet. They hadn't Mm -hmm. done anything to it. Um, Talked to her again. Went over later. Uh, another day or so, and uh, walls had been cut about six inches up, but they were laid down in the wet wet concrete just sitting there still. So it it just wasn't a pleasant experience. Mm -hmm. Um, So we ended up negotiating a few things and and got it back together uh, uh, and still moving forward with it.
2: All right. uh, Okay, so water in the basement. This is uh, in the Midwest a very common theme because – we get a, we get horrible weather here. Like we get the extremes from every season. So we get flooding. We get like torrential rains in the spring, sometimes even summer, massive thunderstorms, hail, uh, wintertime is brutal. Like it gets sweltering heat where we're supposed to be 99 supposed to be like a heat index of 110 today. Yep. So it's awesome weather. Um, when I look at a property, so let's talk about basements for a minute. When you have water in a basement, you have to figure out where it's coming from. In your case, it was a leaking plumbing uh, issue from an upper level. Is that right?
0: That's what that's what made the catalyst to look further happen.
2: Okay, so when you're you have to figure out where it's coming from. And in my experience, the best case scenario for a wet basement is it's a plumbing leak. The worst case scenario is it's either coming up from the ground, or it's a grading or, well, it's usually a foundation issue, improper grading, a downspout that's either clogged or disconnected completely. Yep. Um, there's water has nowhere else to go and it finds the least common denominator, meaning the lowest grade. Mm-hmm. So it's going to work its way down to wherever the lowest possible spot is. Um, the best case scenario is generally a plumbing, a supply line leak in, in the plumbing that's, that's easily, yep. easily fixed. You repair that; it's it goes away. You just dry everything out, replace what needs replaced, and you're done. the The harder stuff to deal with is foundation issues, complicated ones. Maybe there's underground uh, channels that water has found its way down to and eaten down, you know, three feet into the into the earth, and it's really hard to correct those things. Regrading it doesn't always fix it, et cetera, et cetera. But um, yeah, it sounds like you worked through that issue, closed on it, and uh, what. What did you learn after you do a post-mortem on this and say, uh, like, this deal sucked, but I still bought it, and we're going to make it a su- success?
0: Oh, uh, gosh. Um, I, just, I just felt it in my bones. This was going to be a good house still. One of my, one of my tests, one of my um, yeses to a house is stairs, as crazy as it sounds. If I'm walking to a basement and the stairs don't feel good to me, I'm out of the house. Don't feel good how? Like they're wobbly too steep, or too, too steep, okay. too wobbly, too narrow, mm-hmm. um too too tall where you feel you know, somebody might step and fall? Mm-hmm. Um I don't know why that's a why that is, but that's how I judge a house when I judge a house. This one on has great basement stairs and has a great second floor stairs. Okay. And the rest of the house has got great bones as well. So I don't know why that speaks to me, but it does, and that's how I
1: judge that house to keep it. That's why Owen has one of those little buttons on his keychain where you can push for help <laughs> if he falls down the steps when he's walking his properties. Also known as life Alert. <laughs> so we, we did we did Do you want to sponsor us. We're open to that. <laughs> we did deal with all of
0: that issue with water. So as we speak today, I'm having a, um, some tuck pointing being done to the foundation. And uh, we had mud jacking done uh, as well last week. So that's ready to go.
2: So you had some, I'm guessing here, you had some outside uh, concrete that was sloped toward the house correct. and it needed raised correct? because it, water had washed out underneath it, yep. creating a hollow. So it needed filled with something. Yeah. So uh, listeners, if nobody has, if you're listening to this and you're like, what What the heck's mud jacking? <laughs> mud jacking is basically like if you have a, a piece of concrete and it starts sloping the wrong way. It's generally because water washed out underneath it, and it's you know tilting toward the void under the stinky. concrete. And so there's different ways to do mud jacking. Um, what I've learned recently is uh, commonly used practice was to inject foam. So the uh, you like you spray do spray foam underneath it, and it lifts the whole thing up. Mm-hmm. I've now learned that mice really like that. And they like nesting in it and they'll hollow that out. And it's not a recommended really? method of, uh, yeah, of doing that anymore. The now in vogue way to do mudjacking is basically to grind up crushed concrete and uh, inject that underneath. And after basically it gets wet, it solidifies into actual concrete. Sure. So it almost creates a, almost like
1: a footing underneath. I thought that's what they always did. I didn't know about that. Well, let, let me give you uh, the, so I, I sold this for a living, and ah, uh, right. and th- we did the foam. Mm-hmm. But there there is one thing you, you guys need to be prepared for is if you, especially if you have a red brick foundation, and you and you want to come in and do traditional mud jacking, which is liquid concrete being pumped in and creating pressure. It it puts a lot of weight against your foundation, and if you have a weak foundation or a red brick foundation. Which, if it's red brick, it and depends on where you live. But here in the in the Midwest area, generally, it's a pre 1920 home or 1924 home. Uh, they do red brick. And now, if you put all that uh, mud jacking in, <clears> they <throat> actually can cause the foundation walls to fail, mm. and can push the foundation walls in if it's next to the foundation on the outside. So be careful because the and the reason that people want to foam also is because the due to the way it also uh compressed the soil down below and and it actually created a whole new void. Mhm. So Interesting. so it, it, you you got to find your battle.
2: Yeah, I I I recently had some mudjacking done at my at my house. Mine was not on the foundation, it was on uh, concrete that had I have a seawall on the back uh, like we live on a, a water canal and uh, that was starting to slope the wrong way and so we had some mudjacking done. And I got kind of a 101 nice. from the owner of the company Mixin Mudjack and they yeah. did a great job. Shout um. out to them. Um, and uh, yeah, it was. I learned about the foam thing, so yeah, yeah. shout
0: out to Bob Mixon, yeah, he, he'll do a job no matter how small. He, d- I, yeah. I called another company and they, they wouldn't touch it because it was a thousand dollar minimum, and he did more than I thought he would for 400 bucks. So. That dude came
2: out on a Sunday yep. and he had just gotten back into town from like Minnesota, and I'm like, yep. man, I really need you. I, and like, so that's why. I will forever give people shout-outs if they go above yep. and beyond because he didn't have to do that at all. I could have just gone in the next person or whatever. He's like, I want to take care of you, and he made it happen. I and used, I was really happy, and and you know, I, I, I learned something the, out of it.
0: I used him at the Keystone house also. Mm-hmm. And not only did he uh, do more than I thought he would do, um, but the he had his guys, when they raised uh, two panels, it created one panel that had a big lip. Mm-hmm. And without adjusting it, they ground it down to meet the other panel.
2: Yeah, and that's uh, he he promised that for me too. Yep. If anything happened yep. where he'd come and grind it down and whatever, yep. but
1: yeah, good dude. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that they showed up at my house on Friday and we're trying to find the original owner. We're like, no, we're mudjacking your whole driveway, <laughs> and we're like, nope, you're not. <laughs> and then they're like, no, no, here it is, his name. And like, nope, that's the other owner's name, but wrong address. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, well, you could have gotten a free mudjacking. Well, yeah, of the that's deal. what they said too. <laughs> 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 that's funny. Uh, but knowing me, I would have been the one paying for it. So, of yeah. Course. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay.
2: So, Jim, let's talk about um, you. It sounds like you've got a hybrid of uh, investment strategies going here. What's the long – like w- what do you see moving forward for you? What's a, w- Like let's maybe take a, a step back here and say over the next year, are you just going to be like – Find a deal, buy a deal. Find a deal, buy a deal. Figure out how I'm going to partner, how I'm going to
0: grow. What like What's next for you? Continuing what I'm doing. Okay. Just like you talk. Are about. you having fun? Do I you am, like this? I am. Yeah. I am. I meet new people all the time. Everywhere I go, I meet someone new, and it's like you were supposed to this, meet this person. They're an investor. They're a vendor that I can use. Mm-hmm. Whatever. It's just been crazy.
1: What question I have for you is like, are you building this for your own personal retirement? Are you Are you building this for the for something to pass on to your kids? I'm like, 62. I don't have any time
0: left to retire, so I'm building it for my family. Yeah, my kids will hopefully enjoy what I leave to
1: them. And how many kids do you have? Three. Yeah. What's their names? Tyler. Yeah.
0: Abigail and Jillian.
1: And then how old are they? 32. 31 and almost 30. Wow.
0: Yeah. And two granddaughters. Really close.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so are, are, are your kids involved in, in this at all? Not at all. Okay.
0: My son's at home. I'm hoping he'll finally see the light one day. And I, I when I got injured the other night, he came over to help me yesterday because I thought I needed some help. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah,
2: yeah. All right. All right. Let's talk about oh, this. Yeah, so, we, we've been <laughs> so on Wednesday this week, uh, we had a... This is pretty cool. So we had a, a second annual... Omaha RIA slash Omaha Real Estate Meetup. So the two biggest uh, real estate investing meetup groups in town, uh, two years in a row, have sponsored for a charitable uh, entity, basically a golf tournament, and it's all realtors, real estate investors, lenders, like anybody in the real estate investing or adjacent space, right? And it's been super like successful. Like we've had it in two different golf courses. Super fun. Uh, like it, it, was just an awesome time. So this was Wednesday this week, and uh, Jim, you told a story when you got to the uh, got to the studio today. Mind reciting it again? So what happened? You you went to the golf tournament, had a good time. You left because
0: why? You were going to a showing, is that yeah, right? I, I have a, a an, an investor who uh, and her sister that wanted to look at my properties, so I'd planned to go show them, and ended up uh, uh, giving somebody else a right home before that, and and uh, one of the. One of the other people wanted to go see it with me, so I took uh, our assistant from the office to go see my, flirt, my flip house. And, and this my- is the first one you bought, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We actually got to see the Keystone Airbnb first, then we went to the flip house. Um, I parked at the uh, far end of the driveway, and one of the ladies was parked out front, so we got out of the car and walked down the driveway to meet her. And as we approached the front of the yard, two pit bulls charged us from the next door and attacked us. Um, bit my, my friend. Um, luckily she was quick enough to pull her hand out of his mouth before he bit the whole thing. And he just nipped her fingertip and uh I, I pushed her towards the car and said, get in the car. And I turned to run away and he got the back of my leg. Luckily I was quick enough to pull out. So he only punctured and tore my skin. He didn't take off my calf. So I'm fortunate and blessed to be here today. I'm something's meant to still go on for me. So um, so, the, so you got, you got
2: bit really hard on the calf. I mean, you, you walked in rocking, a like ace bandage, uh, old man style on your calf. And, uh, I mean, it looks like a leg warmer almost. It's that big. You're posting pictures in the ER room on the WhatsApp. I did. I did yeah. post
0: pictures in the ER room. So,
2: so that's the, uh, untold story. A lot of times of, uh, investors, you got to encounter vicious dogs and like all kinds of environmental issues and, and whatnot, but, uh, it's kind of a rite of passage. So. Hey, you're part of the club now. You're good here, job. yeehaw! <laughs> you've, you've had some bites, yeah, I have.
0: Yeah, dogs or clients?
2: Uh, yes,
0: <laughs> all of the above.
2: I actually got bit in the ass by a dog oh, one time good. when I was walking my w- walking my dog. Oh my!
1: And, yeah, and uh, yeah, that 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 wasn't fun. Wow. Oh. okay, Jim. So I do have a question for you. You you've been doing this for like two years now, and before that, you said you did the cars for thirty some years. Now first thing I want to know is do you have any regrets of not starting this sooner? No, car life was good to me. Just yeah. wish I had known about this earlier. I think I knew you were going to say that because you created your group of people based, uh, based on that because you've got some really good connections off of that. Yes. And you're doing some unique things, uh, where you're at now, but what advice would you give yourself uh, young Jim 20, 30 years ago?
0: Find a mentor and join a team. To learn what you're going to do. Get, mm. get that coaching. I should have done that when I first started. I did not join a team. I thought I could do well on my own. I struggled just learning what I wanted to I mean, do for two when, years. When you first
1: got into real estate. When I first started real estate. Yeah.
2: Okay. All right. Let me ask you this. How would you go about doing that? If you were applying your advice to your younger self, What, how would you tell them to go about doing that? What methods like specifically would you take to finding a mentor or people to surround yourself with that – Could help you move the needle.
0: That's a good question. How do you find that person? How do you find that team? Um, I guess I would do some research to find out what teams are kicking ass selling properties. Um, At that point, I did not know I wanted to do investing or commercial or anything. Well,
2: how did you find that out? Like I get, I get research, but
1: do, like specifically how? Like what? What Just meeting meeting people and and uh, learning about what everybody else is doing. Well, you you find it by being outgoing and and putting yourself out well, there, and yeah. shaking hands, meeting people. Yeah, I I'm yeah. gonna tell you the advice I give every new agent that approaches my my team, uh, and I do this every single time. Um, I literally. Will not take a brand new agent that just came to that just heard about us and come over. I've actually ter- lost agents by doing this too, mm-hmm. but but it's best long run. Every time I get a new real estate agent that wants to do investing or does invest, I that they come over. and I say, hey, check out three teams at three different brokerages Sit on a team meeting because they're going to let you sit on a team meeting. Feel them out.
2: Wait. Do you just say, "Can I sit in on one of your team meetings?" Yes. yes I mean, that'd be
0: isn't that weird? No, not at all. We no, want, no that, we that's we common. Want you.
2: If you're if you're at a brokerage, people yeah. are like, "Hey, can I just sit in?" And you're like, "Yeah, random." It's not common in.
0: for people to ask, but it's common for us to ask people
1: every week. Every week we get one. Come, come join. Yeah.
0: Come see a meeting.
1: Come see what okay. it's all about. And so I I tell them to go sit on three people's team meetings at three different brokerages. Figure out the brokerage you want to be with, and then sit on three teams on in that brokerage. And even though. You know, We're one of the only investment team group focused in the, in the, in the city. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that it's going to be the best fit for you right? because you need to find that family. You need to find that connection. You need to just feel like you're home there because personally, it cost me more money to have you leave in, in a year because of the amount of training and, and time that we put into it, mm-hmm. and so it'll cost us money. So it, it's actually setting us up for a better uh, return. And a greater success rate. Yes. One thing that
2: strikes me about you,
1: uh,
2: Jim, is that there's been a few times during this podcast where we've asked questions about why. And you mentioned a couple of times that you got a feeling like you felt good about it. You felt like you were, you know, kind of the universe spoke to you or for lack of a better term. Would you say that's how you operate in general? Do you do you operate with a like you get reassurance on decisions? Like your decision support mechanism is surrounding yourself with people that can reinforce something you're about to decide on. Mm-hmm. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, exactly. As opposed to somebody that's super analytical, maybe like a Sean French, for example, who's our last uh, podcast guest. and we'll link to him in the show notes. Uh, he's like Mr. Analytical and like, like, I deci- am not that person analysis paralysis, maybe. I mean, I, I would, ha- I have a feeling he would, he would, uh, back that up what I just said, but <laughs> so you operate more off of feel than, and than like numbers. And how do you go about getting comfort with that? And that's a big question I realize, but. I, I imagine there's a lot of people out there like you that maybe don't pour over the numbers and look at crime statistics and a part of town and make a, you know, it's not, it's, it's kind of an outside the box decision that you're making. Like, do you have any thoughts on that?
0: No. <laughs> <And> <laughs>
2: okay.
1: Like like, like how, I,
0: how I feel about it is that that requires you to trust people a lot.
1: Because I do. Y- you are dependent on someone to yep. more or less help you make a very, very like I would depend on Owen and Ted to help me with with the analytical stuff. But with respect to the feeling, like
0: that, that is that is a lot of trust that you put in other people. Yep. So. so that's why you build the team because I have the feeling I'm not that analytical person. You know, um, you, you 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 work with and deal with and grow your strengths. Um, And realize the ones you don't have, and you find those that do have that. So I've got uh, a couple of people, um, two of them on our team, that are (laughs) crazy, nerdy analysts. You want to shout them out? Uh, Yeah, Nicole and uh, Tanner Sherman.
1: I've got Tanner Tanner Sherman on. Yep,
0: yep. Tanner Sherman, is uh, he's got a freaking computer in that head of his. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's (laughs) a smart kid. Yeah. So, uh, you know, when I see something I'm not sure about or I'm not quite how to figure out about it, I call Tanner. I called Nicole.
2: I wanted to highlight this because it's a, everyone has a different personality type and a different way they go about operating. And this is to highlight the fact that one size does not fit all. And you can be a really numbers heavy person and feel like your decision support is your spreadsheets, or you can feel like your decision support is another person who you trust. And why I wanted to highlight this is because you spent 38 years in the car industry. That's not by accident. Not a lot of people work in the car industry, and it's like any other sales gig. You know, you're either you have longevity or you don't. You get in and you're successful at it, and you find out pretty early on whether or not it's probably going to be a long term thing for you. And the ones that do best are the legacy, like you and and Ted have both talked about. You want to be the person that somebody thinks of when they're looking to buy a new vehicle or a new house right? Yep. Or an investment property. So you're, and I'm I'm going to tie this together, but like you're looking at this as a relationship business and the things that you either are not able to do yourself or don't want to do yourself to make you feel good about a decision, you can build a relationship with somebody that you trust that can make that decision easier for you by reinforcing it. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. Yeah. Like, I just think that's interesting, and, it's, and it, I wish you could break down building a relationship into a if-this-then-that you know type of a decision tree thing. But I think you're a likable guy, really gregarious. It's always struck me about you. You're easy to talk to, easy to get to know, and I think people feel comfortable around you. And I don't think that's a – that's like – it's kind of a nature versus nurture thing. I think you're probably always been like that a little bit, but you've probably gotten better and better and better at it over the years, just not maybe through. And I'm, I'm just guessing, but it just happened. And you're just a good dude. Like when people think of Jim into they're like, Oh, that's, he's a good guy. Right. So you have that trustworthiness, I think right off the bat
1: that you can't really fake. Thank and, you. Owen's sociolo- sociology degree is kind yeah, of Yeah, like, I, I mean, I was yeehaw. a psych major for one year. <laughs> so,
2: yeah. But uh, anyway, I kind of went off the rails there on that. But uh, I just wanted to highlight that because of the difference in approaches everybody has to this business. It's just crazy to me. Like every single 50 – you're the 53rd person we've had on. Everybody has, is completely different in how they may do the same things, but they approach it in a way different way than the last person, right? Would and you agree one, with that? And this
1: one's extremely unique, too. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, you, you, you all are – everything that you do is about the person. I mean, you put a lot of trust in the people. You look in their eyes. You know, you feel like you know who they are, and you either love them or hate them. Is that, is that a fair statement? Absolutely. Yep. The trust also comes from the referral. You know, Nicole
0: and and Sherman Mm -hmm. helped me make the final decision on this Harrison Street property by involving another friend of theirs who has many Airbnbs in the Ozarks. And they had them perform it for me. And it was a little better than theirs. And it just made everything sink and solid and and feel right. Mm. Um, And that performance also what got the financing done on it, too. So, Sorry, sorry, but, you know, that's a real good thing, the fact that your contacts – Tana and Nicole also had contacts that would have been able Absolutely. to help you. So it's like, like networking
2: is
1: such yep. a powerful it's, thing. It's, like well, it's exponential. So. Like, yeah, like exactly. you said, it's
2: not the it's not the first person. It's the first and second and third and fourth contact out of that. And the further you go down that, grows. you can grow off of that. Like yep. that, that's what's. Yep. It's funny, I, I, oh, yeah. I, I beat this horse to death every time, and and I know Ted. You you and I have talked about this ad nauseum
1: here, but like that, you just cannot overlook that part of this business. <laughs> it's you can't. Yeah. yeah, watch it be the same person I have coming in here in a couple months that uh, has a whole bunch of short term rentals in the Ozarks. Oh, <laughs> hey. I got I got a local firefighter scheduled to come in. And, is he married? And he is married. Got okay. a couple kids, and he's got some Ozark uh, properties. Cool. Used to be a, a football coach too, so it should be an interesting podcast. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any idea who this well, is. I got. I got to share the universe working. It's just crazy. This
0: is just one tiny example. A couple of weeks ago, I was sitting out front in uh, in front of uh, Legends on Seventy Second and Pacific, waiting for my nephew. I out walks a couple down the sidewalk, and I glance up from my phone while I'm texting, and this guy just kind of looks familiar to me. And they keep walking. And they're about fifty feet away, and I roll my window down, and I go. John Higgins. This guy turns around, sees me in the car, squats and looks. He goes, I haven't seen him in 10 years. Jim and DeBrock. Sold him cars a long time ago. Did roofs for me. He's John Higgins, the roofer, the roofery. Had no idea why why he was there and why he met. Didn't even think about it. So I'm buying this property on Harrison Street. Have I told you this yet, Ted? I'm buying this property on Harrison Street, and I hear it's a family that had Uh, Four pieces there. They divided it up and and decided to sell it when the mom and dad are gone. Across the street is a great big barn in a five-bay building that was dad's auto shop that they built on this property. And then there's three homes. A roofer bought this property across the street from me. And I've been hearing about this. Didn't know who it was the property across the street next to him and next to me had been bought by other Hispanic investors. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking this is probably a Hispanic roofer. Um, I hope that doesn't sound racist or anything. (laughs) Either way, um, I'm I'm, uh, going to Best Buy last week to get something. And there's a Jane J Motors, a small engine shop, mower shop right on the corner there at 36th and Harrison, just a block from me. And I'm thinking I need a mower for my property. I got an acre and a half of grass. I got to cut. So I pull in real quick on the way to Best Buy and uh, meet the owner and tell him what I'm looking for. And he goes, oh, you bought Spencer's last property? I go, yeah. He says, "Uh, you're across the street from John Higgins then, right? I go, the roofer that bought that property across from me is John Higgins? He goes, yeah. I know John Higgins. Called him on the way to Best Buy after I bought the mower. And uh, uh, we have the same vision for this property. Talk about making me feel so much more comfortable even though I'm already done and closed and working on it. Um, we have the same vision for this property. It's a four-acre piece of ground, five-acre piece of ground, actually, that the city has uh, platted for commercial development. And uh, he has the same ideas of what I do. So we're going to make that nice little property a, 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 in the next 10 years a pretty good development of some sort. Um, yeah,
1: that's it. Cool, man. Love it. Just The universe just keeps clicking, man. I. Th- I think that it is a little bit of the universe, but you also put yourself out there more than anybody else I've ever met. Oh, thank you. Uh, I mean, it's just, it, it really isn't an exaggeration either. I mean, you we, we you go to every single networking group that's going on. I mean, you're literally at every networking group. I go to like one or two. You go to like four or six a month. And you—and when you're at a networking group, it doesn't matter if they're in the group or not, you actually approach every single person and hand your card and, and shake hands. So where well, you can grow... But not everybody does that.
2: Well, you're you made the point earlier, and I'm I'm paraphrasing here, but it's basically like hard work meets opportunity, and that's luck, right? So people are like, oh, you know, overnight success, ten years yeah. in the making type thing. Like, don't discount the fact that you're going out to these networking things. People don't look at that as work. That they're like, oh, you're in sales. You just go out and talk to people and whatever. We're like, yep. Yeah, I'm doing that, and you're not. And yeah. guess what? I have had those people approach me about this opportunity, and then I got to know people they knew, and so on and so forth. Right? Yeah. So that's that's
0: what we're. And I'm trying learning to, to get here. that word "luck" out of my vocabulary yeah. when I say it's things. Not luck. because I didn't get lucky to find that house in Keystone that was pristine inside. I worked hard. I looked at a probably 150 properties mm-hmm. that I found on online, and however, and probably went to 50 of them before I found this one that works. So it's not luck; it's hard work.
1: We're almost out of time. Let's get into
2: the OT with Owen and Ted. All right, Jim. In this part of the show, we want to cover some questions that we previously asked every guest, but apparently today we're asking a brand new set of questions <laughs> that Ted sprung on me Thanks, right Ted. before we started recording. No preparation so these are <laughs> These are new to me and you. Yes. <laughs> so, so there's no order in who, yes. who reads them. So I will take the first question here just to get it out of the way. And here it is. You ready? What will your first book
0: that you write be called? I feel like you're telling me I'm going to write a book, so I don't know. Uh, but if I write a book, it'll be called Yeehaw.
1: <laughs> I, I know you, and I know that you say you're Yeehaw a little bit more excitable. So, So
2: yeah, that's okay. If I'm watching this and I live in Germany, I'm going to be like, what what the hell does that mean? Like, (laughs) can you expand a little on yeehaw? Why?
0: What does that mean to you? People ask me that all the time. And what it means to me is excitement. When I'm excited, I say yeehaw. And I don't know why when I greet people instead of, hey, Ted, it's Mm yeehaw. Right, Ted? It's very It's been that way for
1: as long as I can remember. It's just me. Okay. It's just me. Fair uh, fair enough. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. So question number two of our new OT questions here. As a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? An astronaut. An astronaut. How long did that last? Maybe 10 years.
2: Mine lasted until a third grade when the uh, space shuttle, what was it? Uh Discover. Discover. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Blew blew up and uh, need need another seven astronauts. Wasn't that the the NASA acronym? Yeah, that was. Uh, I was done. <laughs> I was done
0: with that. I was. In the, I was into model rocketry and everything, and you know, I had. Uh, I was too. Star Wars I geeked stuff. out on that. I, I was in clubs with model rocketry. I built the Saturn V, six foot tall rocket, and um, launched it. And I
1: was in that club too. I love yeah. it. Dang. Yeah. Okay.
2: Nerds unite. <laughs>
0: you <laughs> uh, to Be a nerd to be cool. You got it.
2: All right, Jim. What kind of legacy do you want to leave
0: in this world? I want to leave something for my kids to grow on and live with, but. Most importantly, I want to make sure I've helped people. I want to make sure that the community that I'm working in and building in, that I'm delivering a product that I'm proud of.
2: I had the uh, unfortunate um, thing happen uh, in the last week where I lost a friend of mine. Uh, we weren't like super tight, but I knew her a long time ago, and she uh, ended up passing away. Uh, my age, or you know, just a year younger, and. That was, uh, that was tough. I went to the you know the funeral visitation and uh, I started thinking about this. like you had a lot of people say really nice things and uh, she's kind of a smart ass like I am. So she had people come up and tell funny stories about their experience with her and like how they remembered her and everything. And I think that's kind of like I-, I love your uh, you want to be remembered for helping people. Uh, I, I, I share that and I would love people to tell like, you know, like embarrassing stories <laughs> or like funny stuff about me. And I'm sure you guys have plenty of st- ammunition here, but <laughs> anything else come to mind? Like that you, um, want to be like, if, if somebody was giving up and, or standing up and giving your eulogy, what would you like to be
1: remembered for? Oh, he's altering my question. up. I am.
0: Oh my goodness. Yeah. Hmm. Deep wanna, thoughts here wanna, at Rio radio. I'm a great family man. And I want that to be remembered. Okay, that's, perfect. That's one thing for sure. Um, that I love people. People person, I am a people person. I, I love people, and I don't know that that's why I want to help, but I want to help. They'll engrave
1: "Yee right on the tombstone. <laughs> 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 okay, so here's the here's the next question: Who are the people that change your life that deserve a shout out?
0: Oh my goodness! Well, you've already heard the main one. Jerry Jerry Schlickburn. Uh, Ted, you've helped me a lot. Oh. You you have helped me. When I call and ask for a question, you answer it, and you have the guidance that I need when I need it. So thank you.
1: It's always after 5 o'clock, too. That's okay. <laughs> you always answer. Thank you, brother.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, God, my wife and my kids, um, all been influences on me. Um, I really can't think of anybody else by name. Mainly because my life is different in the last year than it was the last sixty years. Yeah, and just a few people are responsible for that. So,
2: no, that's cool, man. Like, what? Uh, or what? What are you looking for in your business right now? I know you've you've been kind of like fast and furious here with uh, some acquisitions and growing your rental property business, your short term rental property business. What's, are you looking for any key people or projects or types of properties that uh, maybe if somebody listening to this might be able
0: to, uh, you know, throw your way? Sure. Um, I originally uh, wasn't planning on doing, uh, in the beginning, starting out with uh, rental properties. I wanted to do flips just to, uh, you know, fill my, my coffer back up that I've been living on since I retired. So, uh, but these couple of properties that just Pop up, they just scream to be invested in. So that's what I'm doing that way. So uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking to expand and, and keep growing uh, the portfolio, of course, but more importantly, trying to find some that'll work as uh, some good flips to keep filling that pocket up.
1: Um, some cleaners, some
0: cleaners. <laughs> well, I've got I've got I've got a good cleaner. She needs some help, so some cleaners. Um, what I am looking for is some is some uh, decent uh, wholesale properties that we can flip. Um, I've got um, another investor that wants to do some some stuff with us. Um, just need to keep finding properties to buy. Yeah. Okay. So
2: properties, partners, potentially. Partners,
0: yep. yep. You know, what I have found is that um, what I am loving is talking with some partners, potential partners, and we discuss a certain property that I'm talking about or that they're talking about. and. You know, like uh, like Nate had a property the other day. He was wanted to talk about, and we hashed it out over thirty minutes and figured out how to do it. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm looking for folks to kind of figure things out with that way. That was that was pretty cool. Awesome, that was pretty cool.
1: Well, with that, Jim, uh, I want to thank you so much for coming out to the podcast today. Thanks for helping us out. Um, I knew that, especially with. Uh, Owen's uh, speech coming up here in front of the RIA on, on working with some new investors that this would kind of give him some inspiration too on, what, on things to talk about but uh, we appreciate you and if, you, uh, if you're listening to us for the first time or the 53rd time please give us a review on uh, whatever format that you listen to um, if it's a Google review or if it's on uh, getting on RIA radio's uh, Apple podcast please give us a five star review on there uh, we really appreciate that. And uh, if it's a written review, we will uh, put that out here online. So, with that, Owen, we see us out.
2: On behalf of Rhea Radio, Dennis Bertrand, and Ted Kosh, I'm Owen Dashner. You've been listening to Jim the Pitbull Chew Toy, Enderbrock. <laughs> <in> <laughs> Thank you for pinch hitting today. We love you, buddy. Thank you. Bye, Signing buddy. off. Thank you. <laughs> Pitbull.